Welcome to Breaking the Couch, a weekly conversation demystifying what happens in and behind the therapy scene to support your healing journey. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Dowson, a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified school psychologist, and a trauma specialist with Playfully Psyched. And I'm Dr. Joe Harchi with Software Psychology, a licensed clinical psychologist. We're here aiming to provide you with mental health tools to address the cycle of generational trauma across the age span from infancy and childhood to adulthood. For more information, visit our Instagram page of Breaking the Couch or our website, breakingthecouch.com. While we hope you love listening to and learning from our podcast, it's not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. All right. And we are back talking a little bit more about uh, EMDR today. I movement desensitization reprocessing, which is a primarily a trauma intervention, although I know that people have used it for anxiety um, and a few other things, but primarily a trauma intervention that Dr. Jaharchi and I are both um, trained in. And Dr. Jaharchi does some intensives EMDR, right? So she does some intensive EMDR sessions. And we thought it would be really good to talk about that, what it looks like, um, when it's appropriate and how it can be a vessel to further healing. I would love to talk more about that. It's so funny because there's different ways that people have described intensives that I think is useful. I've heard people talk about how it's like a chunk of sessions, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So like a chunk of EMDR sessions. I've heard other people talk about how it's like a lot of resourcing or grounding anchoring ahead of time and then um, a little bit of reprocessing all at once. Um, So there's different ways to think about it. But one thing I will say is that like folks will say intensive sounds scary. So I'm starting to think about like calling it like a retreat, right? It's like (laughs) intense, right? Sounds like I'm going to be, you know, having breaks from reality. I'm going to be delusional. I'm going to be in pain. I'm going to be hurt. Mm, Super intense, right? Therapy is already heavy and you're going to make it even more intense. That's what it does. It sounds scary. It sounds intense. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm always like, listen, you have the stop sign. You have the pause button. I'll be checking your your face and your body and the vibes for cues besides you telling me you're going to need a break. Um, But there's also so much resourcing. So I'm not like trying to convince people. I'm just here because I'm like super excited. Like, I think I was just telling you, Dr. Doughton, I have not seen um so much movement i guess in therapy like people feeling so much better for years um and so for me it makes me look at my business and say like how can i switch to doing more of this Mm -hmm. and less of what i usually do um Mm -hmm. and i don't think one size fits all i think that if i can get folks in there who um were able to like kind of get some of those resources or that grounding on board Mm-hmm. And then do the reprocessing where we move it from the limbic system to the neocortex, we can start to see them shift the way that they feel about the memory. And so, like, if people are like, you know, well, how can I ever feel good about this thing that happened? Or will you make me forget what happened? No, you're mm-hmm. not going to forget it. You hear this too, right? Yeah, make me forget. And people are like, I don't want to do it because it makes me forget. And it's like, no. It's not about making you forget, right? It's about changing your emotional charge and your reaction reactivity to the event that originally happened. Beautifully said, because it's so great when we can like express ourselves and share stuff and through like talk therapy. It's mm-hmm. life-changing for a lot of us. And mm-hmm. at the same time, sometimes it's still stuck in the brain in certain ways mm-hmm. where when we see a TV show or we hear a certain, 
you know, thing or something, we're still triggered. So mm -hmm. what can happen is like EMDR actually moves it from one part of the brain to the other and back and forth, allowing us to reprocess it, or at least that's one of the ways they think it works. Mm -hmm. um, and so in doing that, uh, you don't forget it, just like Dr. Doughton just said, you don't forget it. It doesn't uh, go away. You don't even think it was okay. You're not like, oh, this was great that this happened. We're not like mm -hmm. here doing some weird... Um, reverse psychology on you. Mm -hmm. It's really just um, to bring you to a place of like almost observing it like a movie, like, mm -hmm. oh, this scary thing happened and I'm okay. Or this scary thing happened and like, I'm, I'm safe in this moment, right? So it's kind of like just sort of a different experience with it. I like to talk, I like to think about it in the t context of when you're triggered by um, something and you your body and your mind feel like and believe that the original trauma is happening to you in the present. So that is why your heart rate can change. That is why your emotions elevate because your body, just like it did in the original time, is preparing you to fight off that whatever that event is or preparing you to survive that event. That's problematic when the trauma already occurred. So what EMDR is helping you do is let what already occurred occur with, and that you'd be able to think about it and talk about it and, you know, know that it happened without still believing that it's happening to you right now in this moment, right? And so it is allowing the past event to be what it was, you to have your thoughts about it, those, those um, beliefs about it, but not to have it activate it for you right here and now. I really like how you said that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about this and I think that it'd be helpful for our audience. Who do you think are good candidates for EMDR intensives or what types of trauma um, is like appropriate? As people are thinking about like looking for a therapist, people say like, I want EMDR. Uh, I want EMDR intensive. Like, how do you weed through that and make sure that they're a good fit? Yeah, I think that's a great, great question, a great point for us to go over. I think a lot of people are a good fit for EMDR intensives if they feel like they have a good understanding of like where their disassociation is. Meaning like if they're like, oh, you know what, when I start to space out or I uh, notice myself sort of like thinking about other stuff, I think I'm not really here. So like when people have like some sort of understanding of their, the things that sort of elicit some disassociation or some, what I like to think of as like a protector that comes in and like sort of blocks them from the here and now, which can take a long time to figure out like, okay, what does it feel like for me? How can I spot it? How can I at least just tell my therapist, this is what I look like when this is happening. Um, so when folks, you know, are not super, super disassociative and have some resources on board, meaning they have a friend they could call in between EMDR intensive chunks, right? Or they um, have a good relationship with their breath work or they're meditating or they're, um, they dance or they do something that like sort of helps them get in the moment. So that when we're doing this really heavy duty work with the past, which sometimes we can do it with something that makes them scared for the future. But generally when we're doing work with the past uh, around a trauma, they can also be okay right here, right now, so that we're not 
as you always say, like, so that we're not re-traumatizing them. Um, so, so long as they have some of that stuff on board, um, they're a great candidate. Meanwhile, we teach them a lot too. So like a lot of times before we start, actually always before we start the reprocessing, mm -hmm. we move stuff from one part of the brain to the other and back and forth. Uh, when we do that part, we are making sure that they have lots of resources on board. So some of my favorite, which you might use as well, are like Lightstream, mm -hmm. where we bring in some imagery of letting light sort of dissolve some of the distress in the body, which is like, ooh, that feels so good. And then um, we can do like calm, safe space imagery where we have them go to a calm, safe space and feel held in that space. Um, so these are some of the things, but some people feel just as resourced by petting their dog or dancing or listening to like a soothing inner child playlist. Um, there's really no wrong way. We just make sure that what they're doing works for them and doesn't have them like leave their body more. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for people who are doing intensive, are you, um, are you assessing for like, is there a different process for people who are more disassociative than people who are less? Or are you just make sure you just do a lot of resourcing for everybody because it's an intensive or what does that look like? So we do lots and lots of resourcing regardless. And then if they are disassociative, that's a really good question. That's totally fine. We just want to know what their like signals are so mm -hmm. that they're not, um, so, so that we can bring them back to the moment so that we could take lots of breaks so that we could do whatever fits their needs. Um, but like the main thing would just be to know what their disassociation looks like, make sure their resources are there on board. They're able to sort of relax in between sessions and in the moment, and then to also help them to focus on a snapshot of a memory. Um, so sometimes folks will come in with like complex traumas, like developmental trauma or multiple, you know, uh, sexual assaults. And we will help them to focus on one particular component of the memory, not because it's to reduce all the horrible things that happen, but just so that it helps them to reduce the charge, feel like uh, less triggered by that particular incident and then we can create some what i believe to be like hopefulness and help them to feel better about the work that they just did and then hopefully that can like translate to them continuing to do that work so sometimes the intensive is just like opening the door mm -hmm. feeling more hopeless hopefulness around the incident feeling like more empowerment less charge and then doing more work Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, oh, I had something re resourcing. Oh, sorry, I just oh. talked a bunch. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Um, so someone comes in to you for an intensive, is it like two days, three days, and then it sets it the, the, the weekend and they're done? Oh, I just had someone ask me this. Yeah, it's like totally understandable to want to like keep working with the person that you just did some really great work with because nah, um, some people like is the, i mean not trying to say like the, in a funny way but like you know people want a quick fix right people yeah. want not to say that it's quick oh, sure. because you're, you're basically i hear what you're saying it's multiple hours over several days so you're just truncating therapy yeah. right um but it's quick in the sense that um, a lot of times working through trauma can take anywhere from six year, six months to a year. 
in more some of the more traditional methods when you're working with complex trauma. Um, and so you're saying that you can work with some of these more complex traumas in an intensive weekend. So I'm just curious, like, is that then the one and done or is that done? Like they're like, you know, it's resolved and they can kind of be better in their lives or? Sometimes it is. And then sometimes they're like, can I sign up for another one? Because mm -hmm. this just opened up all the stuff around childhood. So maybe we'll address something that happened more recently, like a single incident um, trauma in adulthood. And, and what that might look like could be like a car accident or mm -hmm. fear of going on a, a plane or OCD around COVID or whatever, right? So we mm -hmm. might target something right now only to have a whole chapter of things open from childhood. And folks will say, you know, can we do some more around this? And, mm -hmm. and so that could be either done with uh, another therapist or with their EMDR intensive therapist. Um, so that's a great question. It definitely can open up more. I think the cool part about intensives, there's a few things, but one of them is that when you meet with someone for, let's say, two or three hours, there is less of the time spent on catching up, opening and closing. So I think mm -hmm. that's like part of it. Um, and then it also makes me think of what you've told me. I forget. I don't know which researcher you told me about, but you had read something about 15 minutes being helpful for some folks even the touch points right and so about that? yeah basically when you look at for trauma and recovery in the brain and like in therapies right we do like a traditional like you meet this one hour a week well mm -hmm. actually what would be more effective and our lives don't lay out this way our structures don't lay out this way what would be more effective is if even if you're doing like five to 15 minutes of those therapeutic interventions daily that could add up to an hour, um, yeah. that's actually more effective and would be quote unquote quicker, right? Because it's not waiting the whole week, week after week huh, after week Yeah, in that sense. Um, and so it's your touch points. And so it's okay if you truncate it or like if you have these blocks too, but it's really about points of connection um, mm. more so than it is about, it has to be one hour spread out across several weeks, you know, each week. That makes sense. That does. Yeah, that's so interesting. Thanks for uh, explaining it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, um, it wasn't Dr. Bruce Perry, but it was one of his like, like Gabor Monte or one of the people he like commonly works with or has worked with in the past. And so I can't pull up his name, but he's another like neurotrauma person. Um, talked about that with especially with traumatized children mm. yeah i'm not sure who because i heard about it from you so i'm not sure but um that's really interesting it definitely has me thinking um that you know like again what we've talked about like one size doesn't fit all and it's funny when insurance tries to put us in you have to do six sessions for um let's say panic attacks and that's it. That's all you get covered for. It's like, no, this mm -hmm. could be related to trauma. And yeah. Yeah. That brings, that's a really good question. So um, does insurance reimburse for an EMDR intensive? That uh, could be done in some cases. Um, sometimes I'll ask people to just ask their insurance how much they'll get reimbursed. Um, but I'm not super sure that insurance will always reimburse and insurance definitely won't 
probably, I should say, probably won't reimburse the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't know if they almost ever do that. And so like you're billing under a different code. Are you using like the same, like, I don't have it memorized, but like a 90, 908.37 adult individual code, or is it, I'm not billing under, but like on their invoice or their bill, is that code there or you, it's a, it's a, like a different service type of code? So providers do a number of different things right now. I haven't really figured out exactly what I want to do with, um, you know, how to bill, but I've just been doing 90791 um, for like oh, some of the, the initial email? appointments mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then just the regular ones. So if they wanted to try and get reimbursed for one regular session, they could because I've recently heard that they're not doing add-ons right now. Um, so I'm not super sure where that'll go and how different insurances will reimburse, but um, that's a huge thing to, to consider is like accessibility. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know everyone is different, but for fees and stuff generally, is it like, um, I don't even know, like is it a lot more than a typical therapy session? Is it like, whatever because I'm, I'm envisioning like i think you said they they come in and it's like a weekend it's like two days mm -hmm. two or three days or something like mm -hmm. that right um sometimes a little more sometimes less sure mm -hmm. okay um and then it's how many hours on those days like two to three hours per day it could be like a package of like 10 hours where it's like chunked up into a few days or it could be like you know um a couple of months where it's two hours every week for a couple mm -hmm. of months. So it could just be different formats, but yeah, it's um, usually just at least, you know, five to 10 hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they pay for the package. Mm -hmm. And sometimes so people will have the package be less than their hourly rate because they feel like that's like a more accessible thing for folks. And a lot of times it'll be a lot more um, because they feel like, they're having someone come in well for whatever reasons yeah mm -hmm. okay yeah. wow learned a lot today <laughs> um, <laughs> just like how intensive works because again i don't i don't do them um at least at this time i don't know if i ever would but i don't do them now so it was learning for me and then i think really helpful for the audience so they can figure out um what some of their options are and if it's something that they want to explore and well of course they can always reach out to Dr. Jaharchi, who's licensed in California and Florida for EMDR intensive and visit her on selfheartpsychology.com and reach out if you're in one of those two places and want some of those intensives could be really helpful. So I'm going to do a little summary because, you know, I was asking you all these questions. <laughs> so <laughs> you did such a great job of telling us a little bit about what an EMDR intensive looks like the typical format for helping people feel grounded and resourced in that way, um, the types of traumas and or people that would be really good for an EMDR intensive, which was kind of like, could potentially be everybody and just looks a little bit different each time. And thinking about billing and payment for people who are exploring this in an ex financially, who are looking at it from a financial perspective. I think that was really, anything I missed. No, that was perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So, of course, we are winding down for our Breaking the Couch series as it stands right now. If you can feel free to still free, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Breaking the Couch. You can visit us on our website, breakingthecouch.com. Feel free to leave a message or uh, fill out the survey. You can also leave a voicemail through Anchor if that's something you're interested in. And whenever there are books, so if we think of any books that should be for this episode, they'll be in our show notes and you can visit us, um, our bookshop, 
and make a purchase from there. Until next time. If you are looking for a therapist for yourself or your child, you can visit our websites, playfullypsych.com or softheartpsychology.com. We appreciate you joining us this week and can't wait till there's another opportunity to jump on the couch with you next week.